This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to check us out. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcast exists to encourage, educate, and inspire parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. We know parenting can be tough. I am not trying to sugarcoat it. But few worthwhile things in life come without some sweat and some hard work. And family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone and we are thrilled that you're here. Each month we highlight stories from our parent community and share the latest research and tips to help families thrive. If you like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I believe family is one of life's greatest adventures, and I am so excited to chat with you today. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Okay. All right. Travis and Heather, uh, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you guys start off by giving an introduction um, to you guys and your family? Okay, well, we are a couple that are entrepreneurs, and we've been entrepreneurs for about 10 years. We have two very small children, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, Yep. and we're just going through life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how did you guys meet? Why don't you give us that story? Well, I mean, we yeah, so we met somewhere that's close to your heart. Uh, we met at Eastern University, so we both that's ended right. up being... Uh, secondary education and history majors and at a small school of 1500 kids that means you essentially have the same people in your class over and over and over and over and over again Um, yeah and so we happen to live in the same dorm as well and um, just kind of yeah hit it off and and became friends and then uh, senior year started dating and then since then I've gone on quite a few adventures together, whether that be starting a few businesses, living in Japan for a couple of years, teaching English, having kids, which is probably the craziest adventure of them all. Yeah, tell um, me about it. Yeah, and traveling and, and you know, now ultimately kind of making a home base down here in North Carolina um, is, is the like latest adventure that we've been mm-hmm. on. So that's kind of the long and short of it. <laughs> You know, and I, um, you guys, so when I think about you guys, sometimes, I don't know if you guys will remember this, but so we were looking for a house, right? And we came out to Phoenixville for the day. I don't know if you guys remember this. And you guys were like, I don't know if you were like having lunch on the sidewalk or maybe you were just walking and you guys were like, yo, Chris and Sue, what is up? (laughs) And like, it just made us feel like, because we didn't know anything about Phoenixville. Like I had maybe been here for like an hour my whole Mm -hmm. life. And here we're like thinking about putting an offer in on a home. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you guys were like one of a couple like little things that fell into place. I was like, normal people live here. This is a good place. Do you guys remember that? I I do. I I remember when you started saying something, I'm like, what's she going to say here? What does she remember? Because I remember meeting you the very first second day of orientation at Eastern <laughs> oh, man. because you lived out in Ohio and I had come from Grove City and there was a kid named Mike Love or something or was that his name I don't know someone you knew in high school was one of the few people I had known at Grove City and you said oh my gosh I went to high school that person and I felt oh okay this is kind of <laughs> cool so I was like maybe she remembers that story but I do remember the time like we were actually 
I think sitting outside at what is now Bistro on Bridge at their like little outdoor tables. Yes. And we saw you guys walk by and I remember thinking like, they, they live here, you know, like, <laughs> why are they here? And then yeah. um, you guys are like, no, we're, we're thinking about moving here. And we're like, this yeah. is a great place. And now it's such a hot spot for people to move outside of Philadelphia. And, you know, we've owned a home there since 2007. Ooh. So yeah, it's been a long time. Um, we're actually thinking most likely of selling that house now because okay. it's a little small to fit our needs anymore with two kids, but yep. yeah, it's a really beautiful town. We love it there. You know, my girlfriend just sent me this little graph that said like Phoenixville is one of three boroughs or whatever, where the demand for houses is like incredibly outpacing yeah. the people who want to buy it. It's a good time to do, <laughs> yeah. but you know, when you see it, like in reference to the entire Philadelphia district, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. So you got, tell me a little bit about so one of the thing, one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on is because I think you have, you, like, you guys are a little more intentional than I think about some couples about like traveling is like a priority and it's something that brings you lots of joy. And so you guys, I would argue, have done things differently than a lot of families. And so tell me like the beginning, like I know Trav, this was kind of like something Cause you said you taught in Japan and then yep. you guys got married. Like Heather, were you totally on board from the beginning? Like, give me the beginning of this passion that you guys have. Well, both of us always really loved traveling. And, you know, when we were at Eastern, we always talked about studying abroad and it just never happened. Yep. So after we were finished, Trav did an internship. Well, he went to grad school and then he did an internship in Switzerland when we had gotten engaged. So he was there for about four months, about four months. And we were about, I think we were 27 at that point. So we had taught high school for a little bit. And then I went back to school. And so we were not right out of college. It was, yeah, I think it was about 26, 27. And I did this internship in Switzerland because I had never studied abroad. And I thought, well, this is like kind of second chance. Here we go. You can do an internship anywhere. Why not try to do it internationally, which I did. And for me, that led to this idea that travel was not just a vacation, but that you could make it part of your lifestyle and that you could live somewhere else. And so my mind started kind of formulate this idea of, well, I just want to live abroad because this four months was long enough to to kind of get settled in, go to the same grocery store, take the same bus, start to feel a little bit like you're a part of a culture. And um, that was where my first mindset shift happened of like, well, I don't have to just take a vacation and always come back to the same place. I could live somewhere else, but I don't know if where, what you were feeling at that point, because you didn't stay there for four months. You just came over for a couple of weeks. Right. That's true. But it's obviously something that we talked about a lot and, you know, we were engaged, we were getting ready to start our big life together, you know, like these big life decisions. And so we knew that as teachers, we could teach abroad. And that was kind of like, how can we go somewhere else and live for a long period of time? Because it's always something that, you know, appealed to both of us. Mm -hmm. So we both moved to Japan and taught English. And you don't actually have to be a teacher in order to teach English as a second language in a lot of places. You just have to have the um, degree, a bachelor's degree. So the the program that we did in Japan, yeah, it was just, you had to have a bachelor's degree from a university and you, English had to be your first language. Those were kind of the requirements. Okay. So 
yeah, if anybody wants to go out there and teach yeah. English as a second you language, Here's your you don't sign. necessarily have to be a qualified teacher, even though we were. Uh, so yeah, we just decided, hey, we're going to get married and we're going to just move to Japan. So it's kind of a big step. And one of the interesting things that people always said to us, like, oh, I can't believe you're going to do that the first year of your marriage. Like the first year of your marriage is always the hardest. And we were like, well, okay, well, it's probably going to be like, if that's true, if that's a true statement, who knows? Let's just assume it is we're like, well, then it's going to be hard anywhere so what the like we could either have it hard outside of philadelphia or it could be hard in japan and i think what we actually end up finding out was that because we we got married and then we moved to japan a month later so right right in line we went on a honeymoon to mexico then we went to japan and what we found was that living in japan because we were isolated you know we we knew of other expats and stuff but our life became much simpler instead yeah. of getting pulled in a bunch of different directions it was like all right we have this small apartment we both go to work it's heather and i we, we don't can't, speak japanese can't speak the language <laughs> yes we have other expats that that we're friends with that we see here and there but you know our life was a lot simpler than if we lived at home and it was at any time i could run to my parents house or she could go to her parents house or we could go to friends houses yeah you know there wasn't all this stuff pulling us in in so many different directions and so i would i mean who knows because we didn't spend our first year at home but i would argue that it might have been even easier for us because then we were relying on each other and yeah. if we did get in an argument or a fight like there's nowhere to go we're in a tiny apartment so i can work walk it out <laughs> Yeah, like no one can understand what I'm saying. So um, it, it really, I think, forced us to grow closer quicker because we were really relying on each other. We were each other's main support systems at that point. Yeah. And it also gave us this idea of intentionality in our lives, yeah. both in our marriage and with travel, because we were there in Japan intentionally to have this experience. And it's when we really fell in love with traveling. I mean, we liked living in Japan. It's a very different culture than the U.S., obviously. Um, and we enjoyed it. But what yeah. we enjoyed even more was living in Japan gave us the opportunity to explore all of the other countries closer there in Southeast Asia, Asia, Australia. Yes. And then we just were like, we need to do this a lot more. Yes. And I think your point about like, you know, a vacation is like one thing because you're going to relax. But when you're there, like you mentioned um, in Switzerland for four months or Japan, like you, you just see things that you don't see when you're there for a week or four days. And um, I can imagine your eyes are open to some just incredible communities and places in the world and just so different. Yeah, I have to say the hardest thing was coming home. You know, people talk about having culture shock. Like you go and you live somewhere else and you're like, it's not like where you are and, and you have culture shock. And that, and that happens. I had much more reverse culture shock when we came back from Japan because I was excited to be back amongst people I knew and, yeah, and sure. was comfortable. But what was tough for me was that we moved back to like the area that you were talking about. So all our friends, all our family, everyone went to the same grocery stores. And I had felt like my perspective at on life and in general had just shifted so much and my identity and personality had shifted so much, but no one knew that, right? Yeah. You, it's not an outward symbol that like, oh my gosh, Travis is Heather are so different. So I'd be going in the grocery store and I think, huh, I'm seeing stuff so different, but no one even knows. Most of these people that I would see if it was someone I ran in high school, wouldn't have even known I was gone. So it was this hard, like, I was, I was having a hard time rationalizing I'm home and things feel normal, but I feel so different inside because I've, I've had this opportunity to really expand my horizons yeah. and it was just a, a weird thing to deal with and took a long time to kind of figure out internally yeah. 
how you could be different and how you could, how, how that could be a positive thing, even if not everyone realized it. Right. Because it's, it, it's not that, it's not that because other people haven't had these ex- same experiences that anything's wrong, you know, like right. you can live in the same town forever and that's yeah, totally. great and fine for some people, but you just had like all these different experiences and you probably just saw the world differently when you got back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't judging them or exactly. anyone for not going anywhere. It was just like, well, I did. And I'm much different than the person that left. Yeah. But I don't really know how to tell you that I'm different. <laughs> and you don't know that I'm different, but yeah. I'm feeling different, you know, that, yes. that kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of just, I think, it made us realize that as teachers, kind of the greatest teacher is traveling and experiencing yeah. these different cultures. And how can we use this as a positive thing in our lives? Yeah, that's, that's really great, Heather. All right. So I know you probably can't pick like your favorite place. No, we can. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I was going to say, give me your top, like it. one or two. What did you say? I said, please ask it because <laughs> I, I, whenever I'm interviewing anyone, they're like, don't make me pick my favorite place. I'm like, yes, pick your favorite place. <laughs> Come on. You have, you have favorites and you have places that weren't as great. You know, that's, that's normal. Right. All right. So, uh-huh. okay. So what the best, what's the best then? Well, let's answer for each other. That's more oh, fun. We've okay, done this. Okay. Oh, okay. I like this. I yeah. think we can ask, answer for each other. Definitely. I know Heather's favorite country is Croatia, mm-hmm. um, followed probably very closely by Thailand and Bali. Uh, maybe she would lean towards Bali over Thailand a little bit, but um, those are probably your two favorite places. That is exactly two correct. Or three. Yes. Okay. Uh, Croatia is my number one place that I love. We've been there multiple times okay. and I love going to just the Mediterranean in general. It's just a really special place. And there's so many different countries all in that same area. So you get so many different cultures and awesome. you know, food and experiences. Um, but yeah, Bali is also, I mean, it's kind of a a place a lot of people love and say, and it's a hot spot in, you know, Indonesia is the country and Bali is just one very small island compared yeah. to all the islands there. But I love the whole vibe there. They have beautiful local handmade textiles and art oh. and the beach and the food I'm and ready. The coffee. Let's go. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's cheap. Yeah. And it's, it's like, go get an awesome yeah. dinner for two bucks. Okay. Oh, that's man. cool. Yeah, <laughs> oh so. man. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I can speak to Travis' favorite countries. Um, his number one is definitely Thailand. It always has been yeah. um, because it's similar to Bali with beautiful beaches, wonderful people, amazing food, and very inexpensive, which is Travis like loves. I like to go Beach, places. inexpensive, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I just like to go places where I feel like money doesn't matter. Like it, it's like being super rich in the US where you're like, I'll oh, just do what I want and I'm not going to worry about stuff. But I do, you don't have to be super rich in the US to then be super rich somewhere else. And so when we go to Thailand, a good buddy of mine once said to me, he was living there. I'm like, what do you love about it so much when we had first gotten there? He's like, every day I wake up and I can do whatever I want. It's like really almost incredible I, feeling. Like 99.9% of the things will not be out of my price range. I could go and rent a motorbike today and spend five bucks to get a motorbike and a dollar on gas and go take it into the hillside. So there's a lot to do and money's not really an object. And everyone's just, there's, it's pretty convenient too. So yeah. yeah, I love it. And I know that sounds a little bit like a place of privilege to say that like money means nothing to us there. It's not exactly the point. It's more that you don't need a lot to yes. live well there. 
Yes. And so if you're frugal like me, then you feel comfortable because you're like, oh, cool. I could save money and have the time of my life. I'm good <laughs> That's to go. perfect. That's what we want. Save money and have the time of my life. That's not go. always super possible in the States. That's for <laughs> That's sure. True. All right. So tell us a little bit about Pack of Peanuts. Like tell us how this, you know, you guys travel, you're super passionate about this and you, you know, want to help other people sort of experience some of the joy that you guys have. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, when we were living in Japan, one of the things that we realized was we wanted to live anywhere in the world, but we also realized we didn't want to. So we, long story short, we were given an opportunity to move to Brazil and do two more years teaching in Brazil uh, with a friend from Eastern, Christian Prendergast. And, and like, it was just this awesome opportunity. They were going to give us an apartment on the beach, pay us like 60K US. Uh, you had like Brazilian and US holidays off. We were going to be like high school history teachers there. So basically the best international teaching job you could get okay. in, in our eyes. And I remember we sat down and talked about it and both of us like, this sounds incredible, but we don't want to have to commit to two years. We just did two years in Japan. And while we liked okay. it, we don't want to have to be somewhere for two years, even if it sounds amazing. And then it was like, Oh, well, what does that mean? You know, like, <laughs> that yeah, we don't really want to be teachers anymore because we don't get the flexibility of being able to do what we want when we want to do it. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, and so it was like, well, what are we going to do? And, and we had never been entrepreneurs. Like I thought entrepreneurially, entrepreneurially maybe, but we yeah. never built anything. And so I had just found out about frequent fire miles. And, <laughs> yeah. And Simultaneously found out about means he literally went off the deep end, just totally nerding out, finding out every single thing there was to know about frequent flyer miles, going into these forums, then figuring it out and emailing and pestering basically every family member and friend that we knew, like, listen, did you know that you can fly like first class basically for free around the wow. world? Like, I thought just, everyone would want to know. It turns they out do. Not everyone they cares. do. They, well, just, they, they didn't do. know that they wanted to know, but they that, wanted to know. That's probably true. And and again, it came, it was like born out of necessity because yeah. we wanted to travel back and forth to the US. We wanted to travel around. And I was like, well, we're just making a teacher salary. Like we can't do all that we want to do. Found out about freaking fire miles and how to kind of take advantage of them and use them to, to um, our advantage. And so I, when I started pestering people with emails and like some people liked it and some were like, eh, okay. I just thought, all right, I'm going to put this on a website and, and then I can just send them a link. I mean, again, this was 2000 and I was gonna say, what year 12, 2012. Okay. So like, obviously websites existed and stuff, yeah. but I hadn't built one. So, but then I thought, well, I'm just writing the same thing over and over and over again. Let me yes. put it up on, as a post. I don't even know how to build a website, but then I can just say, go here and read this if yeah. you're interested. Plus I said, Hey, maybe people are interested. Like, I don't have to pester people who aren't interested. Maybe people who are interested will find this. And the whole point for me was again, I love teaching stuff, and I love when yeah. I when I get into something, telling everyone about it so they can have the same experience. Very enthusiastic. And so, yeah, it was like, okay, now I might be a three out of ten in my knowledge of frequent fire miles, but so many people are at a zero. And how do if you're at a zero, it just took me like a year to even get to a three. Absolutely. So couldn't I write? from the perspective of someone who's just starting and make it really easy for people who know nothing. And that was the goal. Um, not to say I knew everything, just to say I started a couple months ago and here's what I've learned. And so that started the website and, um, you know, people started finding it and, and, and it took off to some degree. I mean, when people say that in entrepreneurial stuff, it's like, well, what does that mean? It means that like I was making a thousand dollars a month. It wasn't like some, Oh, you're a superstar. Yeah. 
Um, we moved home from Japan eight months later. And my goal was that if I could make $3,000 a month from the website, that I wouldn't have to get a full-time job. I would try to do okay. this full-time. So you and had this goal. You kind of, yeah. Okay. We had eight months to make it from when I started to when we were leaving Japan. We knew we were leaving Japan. Um, yeah, you know, was I making 3000? It was close. I fudged the numbers <laughs> a little bit, but I was like, all right, I'm going to do this full time. And, and then that led to a podcast the next year because we just really enjoyed that format as well. And that was kind of when podcasts were very yeah, underground. Yeah, you got in at a great time. Yeah. yeah, we have just recorded our 473rd episode. Something like that. <laughs> so it's been, It's amazing. Yeah, it's been awesome. And it's, we just, it's given us the opportunity to talk amongst each other a lot. That's why we know our favorite places in and out, but also interview a lot of cool people. And so, yeah, there was a lot of ups and downs for sure. But the ultimate yeah. goal was always how, if people want to travel and they can't travel, well, I'll, I'll pose this question to you, Sue. What are the two reasons that people say that they can't travel? Like the two obstacles to them traveling? I think it's always the same time and money. Time and money, right? And so we were helping them solve the money problem, essentially. Yeah. Hey, you can get frequent fire miles and, and travel for cheap. Airbnb was kind of new. So we're like, you can stay in hotels yeah. or rooms. You don't have to book expensive hotels. Lots we're, of travel hacking tips. Yeah, you can house sit for free in people's villas in France. Like all these Perfect. things that people didn't know about, really. Um, but then they'd come back from a trip and they'd be like, that was amazing. Uh I have to come back because of work. How come you guys don't have to come back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we started saying like, well, we can't solve the time problem. And, and we thought we couldn't until a few years later when we said, well, we work online. If we can help other people figure out how to work online, then that solves the time problem a bit because they can live anywhere. And now they don't yeah. have to come back from a vacation. They could take an extended trip or they could live abroad or they could nomad around. Um, and so that was kind of the second business was how are we going to teach people to build remote solopreneur businesses so that they are not in a cubicle. And that business is called Location Indie, and it's an online community that helps people kind of take their first steps into entrepreneurship so that they're not tied down to any one place. Not that you can't have a home base like we do, but yeah. you don't have to have your time manufactured by somebody else's schedule. Yeah. 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 Or, or, or have an experience that you are super passionate about having be cut short because you have to be back somewhere else. Right. And yeah. I think now with the way that the world is with this pandemic, so many people are working remote. So they kind of had this taste of what it feels like to work from home, which you can't really go to many places. So that is a challenge. But now that we're slowly coming out of this, I think more people who will be staying remote will be able to experience this type of lifestyle if they want. If they want, that's right. It's certainly not for everybody, but I feel like everybody should give it a chance, you know? Yeah. yeah and we always, so we look at it. Uh, I wish I knew, I wish I was this clear on what I was trying to teach people way back when I started. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's taken too. like six years to get this, but essentially we say, hey, there's a triangle of freedom. And the, the three freedoms that if you can get these three freedoms in your life, it's going to open you up to, to lead your dream lifestyle are time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. And it's, it's very hard to get all of them at once. You know, it doesn't happen just like, oh, snap my fingers. I got them all. Yeah. Usually you kind of prioritize one over the other. And when we were first starting, it was location freedom. Well, you know, we had, so we don't want to be in Brazil for two years. So we, we want to live anywhere. So financial freedom and time freedom were kind of taking a little bit of a backseat. And then it became... Okay, now we're prioritizing time freedom because we have kids. So like maybe 
we still have location freedom, but we, we are choosing to spend more time somewhere and not be nomadic for that reason. And then, you know, we're constantly building towards that financial freedom as well. Like I'm not dependent on a job or a paycheck. Um, I, I can, you know, I'm setting myself up for the future in the way that I want. And for us, it really comes down to like one kind of key mantra is like, if we can be proactive in our decisions versus reactive. So every decision we make throughout a day, not everyone, we have kids, we all know that we're reactive a lot. Nap time. What? Yeah. Wait, what? what? Yeah. what? Okay. Oh, we want to, we're going to be proactive. Oh, you don't want to nap. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We're going to be proactive and watch this TV show at 830 tonight, kids. <laughs> kids are like, no, you're not. It's 1030 and we're screaming. Um, but, you know, if you look at it through the lens of your family, you're saying, okay, if I'm the one making the decision, even if the decision isn't the perfect decision or, or the best decision all the time, I made it because I thought it was best for me and my family. And so the more decisions that you can make throughout your day, as you look through your daily life and say, look at all these things that are happening to me, am I being proactive and I'm the one calling the shots or am I being reactive? The more that you can switch from an R to a P, the more you have control of your life. And that's ultimately what it's about. Yeah. And I think you know, I love you guys' Instagram. I've listened to several of your podcast episodes. And I think what you do is show people that it's possible, you know, because I think it can seem a little bit like a pipe dream for some people, you know. Um, and I think you guys have some tools and some advice for people that can help them see this as a possibility, you know, um, which is exciting because I think the pandemic has really forced people to evaluate like, did I really like what I've been doing for the last five years? Am I okay doing that for the next five years? And I think increasingly people are saying no, you know, mm -hmm. they're switching careers or making changes or asking their boss for what they need. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see how this is going to shake down. Yes, we completely agree. There's a lot of people just wanting to fast track their dream life. You know, before it was like, okay, in 10 years and 15 years, when we retire and it's like being all... <laughs> in an international pandemic has just give open people's eyes. Like we need happiness and what we want now, because yep. this is the life that we have. So it's just kind of made everybody switch their gears and figure out how to start living their dream lifestyle a little bit earlier. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yes. I think one of the, yeah. I think one of the things to about that too, is that, you know, it's not all or nothing. It's not oh my gosh, my life is here and this is my dream lifestyle. And we do this activity with everyone who comes to our programs. And, and it's not saying like, okay, you're here and you want to go here and you have to wallow in this, your, your current life forever. And then all of a sudden, again, snap your fingers and your dream lifestyle. Just like, it's going to be a progression. It's going to be a path. It might be a year. It might be two years. It might be three years. It might be 10 years. Yeah. But if you're working towards that, not only are your days getting progressively better because you're implementing the things of your dream day into your, into it during the journey, but you also have a light at the end of the tunnel. I think yeah. for a lot of people, the thing that stinks about their current life sometimes, and for most people there, it's okay, but they might want something more. And if you do, it's, it's that you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. The thing that's yeah. tough is like, I'm a six out of 10 in my work right now, but I know in 10 years, I'll be a three out of 10. Well, if you had the light at the end of the tunnel, now all of a sudden you're like, a oh, six out of 10 is not bad. Let me do the things that I want to do now. Yep. And, and take advantage of this because I know I'm going to get out of it eventually because I'm taking the steps to do that. And I think that's what really gets hard for people is that it's yeah. if you're in a 30 year career or 35 year career. You're just like, man, this is too tough. And, and that's how we both were teaching. We didn't yeah. hate it. 
but we're like, we can't do 30 years. So what's the, what's the option, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think you guys are really inspiring. And, you know, um, Trav, you just mentioned your kids and this is a question I've, I've just been dying to ask you guys. So you, you're doing your thing, you are making it happen. And obviously I assume you wanted a family since you have one. And so how, like, tell us about that. Like, were you nervous that you weren't going to be able to sort of keep this up? Was it like a priority? Like, how did you, how did you approach this? Let's put it this way. Because when you guys are like the first year of marriage is hard. I'm like, no, do everything before you have kids. Like do all the millions and millions of things because you like, it's a game changer. Yeah, it yeah. is a game changer. It is a game changer. And I think that we had somewhat typical roles, not to say everyone is like this, but as the female, I was kind of like, all right, I'm 32. Maybe we should have this conversation. Yeah. And the last set of all of our friends to even have a child yet. And Travis like, well, I'd rather our business is a little more stable. I would rather this, I would rather that. And I was like, yep. okay, but the clock is ticking. <laughs> so, you know, we, we started on that journey. It was a tough conversation to have. And I remember exactly where we had it. We were in Thailand. We were in (laughs) Thailand. We were in Chiang Mai. We had just found out that a very good friend was pregnant. It was kind of like the last one of our friends, you know, also a couple from Eastern. And I was like, they're like the last ones before us that are, they're pregnant now. And I'm just like, listen, this kind of needs to happen. And Travis like, kind of against it. And I just remember walking around like in Chiang Mai, Thailand, they have this moat around the city. This is like an old historic city. And we're just like walking there and there's like water. And I'm just like, so stressed out. We're such an emotionally charged conversation. Yeah. Finally, you know, Travis like, okay, we can start trying, you know, but three years later is when we finally got pregnant. And that's something, you know, not everybody gets pregnant right away. And we struggled with that with some infertility and all of that. And we finally got pregnant, but yeah, I think that we both wanted to always have kids. It was always something that we talked about, but because of our lifestyle, not being stable, not being traditional, having our own business as entrepreneurs, it was scary. And I know it's scary for most people, but for us at that time in our lives, it was kind of unstable. Now I'm not saying that our life is so stable now because it's not, we just decided to go for it. And obviously it's the most amazing thing. Yeah. It's crazy how much you love your kids. You don't even know how to describe it before you have children. It's just very intense and wonderful and challenging at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. To answer your question from my side, Sue, yes, I was very nervous. (laughs) I I thought that it would mean, okay. I got mad when people said to me, Hey, you better do this all now before you have kids. Because I was like, well, they're the same people who are saying to me, like, you better do it all now before you have a job. You know, it was the same people who weren't taking action anyway. So I was like, well, I can't really like take your opinion because you, you didn't have kids before and then, and you still didn't do what you, what I I was doing. Totally can empathize with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was like, well, but you know, in my head, I was also thinking, well, they're, they're, they could be right. I never had kids, so I don't know. And so I, I was really nervous that it was, well, I knew it was going to change our lifestyle, but I was really nervous that it would essentially shut down the thing that I love the most, which was being flexible and being able to travel a ton. Yeah. Um, what I realized now is that it, it doesn't shut it down. It just changes it. And, you know, we do travel less now. We still travel probably way more than your average couple with kids. But we travel less than kind of our nomadic selves for a couple when we were that for a couple of years. 
but it's, I don't care because like the experiences we're having are just different. And now when we travel, it's longer and you're getting to see, tra- like, even though our kids are too young to have these memories, when we walk around the city with them and we see them seeing something, they might not remember, but our memories will be with them. And that Absolutely. gives you a completely different travel experience than if you're just walking around by yourself for us. So I was very nervous. Uh, it did change our travel lifestyle, <laughs> but ultimately we still, we still get to do it and we just, and we do it on our own terms. It's just what we want to do has changed as well. So when you say you visit, so instead of maybe like going to a country and visiting several different cities, you guys, I mean, cause you just went to Costa Rica recently and you were there. How long were you there? Three months, mm-hmm. almost three months, like okay. seven weeks or something. Okay. Or, no. And so why, how, why is that valuable with kids? Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I will say this. We have done both styles of travel okay. while having kids. So fast and slow, fast and slow. I mean, we went on a trip when with our son was seven months and we did it pretty fast. And then we did another trip with him, which was 10 days traveling almost every single night. He was one and a half and I was seven months pregnant. It was horrible because I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was, was a wonderful trip, but we went Croatia. to Croatia. Where were you? You were in Croatia. Okay. Which is my favorite country, but we moved every other night. It was just exhausting. Ooh. I mean, we went through like a couple countries, <laughs> basically every region of, of Croatia. It was, and we were road tripping with my parents. Yeah. So it yeah. was every day in the car, a couple hours sleeping a new place every night or every other night. It was a lot. It was a lot. So we realized we can't travel this way because it's just not sustainable for our family. And I know that a lot of people, when they take a vacation only have maybe 10 days or 14 days. So, but we don't, we don't have to do that. We can work and travel anywhere. So obviously then we had the baby and we weren't traveling. So when we had the second baby, we weren't traveling so much. Then the pandemic happened. So we didn't really get to experience, like we knew that the fast travel wasn't going to work, but it took us over a year to try the slow travel just because of the circumstances in the world. Mm. And I will say this, that when we decided to go to Costa Rica, you know, we really thought about it a lot. We were very intentional with, okay, it's still a pandemic happening. Is it safe for us to go? Is it the best decision for our family? And, you know, we weighed the pros and cons and we decided we were going to go to Costa Rica. So it's a little risky taking a flight, but not as risky as people think. And then when we get to Costa Rica, we're just going to stay there in one place and it will be our home base for we originally thought we would go for one month, but we loved it so much. We extended to three months and oh, very we nice. basically had the same lifestyle that we had in the U S but in Costa Rica, it was 85 sunny. <laughs> we went to the beach every day oh. and there was a pool outside of our condo. Listen, so you don't yeah. have to tell me, I, I yeah. believe you. I believe yeah. you. So that experience was just amazing for us because even though we'd been travelers for so many years, having two small children, knowing that we can have this lifestyle where we can slow travel was just so eye-opening for us and really incredible because not only was it amazing for us to escape the winter in Philadelphia and be somewhere tropical, it was also amazing for our children because when we arrived in Costa Rica, our son Wit was afraid to swim in the pool. He didn't want to put his head underwater. We got him swimming lessons from a local person there and he screamed and cried every single lesson. We had to cancel the other two lessons because he just refused <laughs> to do them. I, you know? It was, you know, when you think of like funny temper tantrums, like you see the parent, you're like, I feel bad for them. That was that like him <laughs> 
screaming on the pool deck. Yeah, and this is yelling. A, a private pool. We were in a, a condo, and this is a shared community pool. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, everybody. So we're here, like, like, here's your money for all the other lessons. You don't ever have to come back because this is not going to work. It obviously wasn't her fault um, yeah. at all. But being there, you know, if we had only been there for seven days or 14 yep. days, you know, we would have left, and that would have been Wit's swimming experience. Except then we were there for two and a half months. We became really good friends with this other family staying there for three months also. And they had older kids. They had a, a three-year-old who's the same age as Wit. And then they had five total kids going up to the age of 16. So we got to spend all this time with them. He gets to see those kids swimming, this other three-year-old swimming because his older siblings taught him and just interacting with this family. They're from Argentina. We're now best friends with them. We Skype with them or FaceTime with them. But, you know, speaking Spanish to the kid. Well, hola. Yeah, limited, but. But having this experience, a cultural experience, but also a growing experience and learning a new skill that he was afraid to do when we first arrived. But then by the end of the trip, he's jumping in, swimming, going underwater. And I mean, to me, that's just a very visceral, like you can see the difference that this made in our son's life at the age of three. So even though he's young, and he really remember this exact trip, he learned a lot that's amazing. That's worth anything in the world. Yes, I agree. I agree. And you know, you guys have already provided some great, you know, you've already, I think, inspired a couple families out here who maybe are um, on the fence on, you know, doing something like this, you know, and actually you, I said time and money, I'm going to do time, money and kids. I think, I think, you know, not everybody feels like they have the capacity to do it. But, you know, like, what are some things, what are some tips you would give families for traveling with small kids? And, and you've already given quite a few good ones, but if you have a couple. I think one is just this. Is, I'm speaking to myself or okay. maybe my former self um, <laughs> is that I think you just have to temper your expectations, right? Whatever your travel looked like or, or before and, and whether it was fast travel or whether you just, you know, you packed everything in or you just enjoyed laying on the beach all day and doing nothing, you, you have to realize that, you know, just like your home life changed when you had kids, so will your travel life. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's fine. It's going to look different. And so, I kind of the first couple of trips tried to do the same travel that we had done before, as Heather mentioned, like 10 day road trip through four countries in Eastern Europe. We're going to drive every day. It's going to be great. Um, and then you just realize like, well, listen, can you do it? Yes, you can. Sure. But is it ultimately is it going to be enjoyable, right? For you, for your family, for everyone. And so I think just setting those expectations of, hey, it's going to be different yeah. and that's fine. Let's think about how it might be different for, you know, negatively and positively, and then go into the trip with that mindset versus kind of thinking you're going to get to be able to do everything that you did before. I think that for me is, I mean, it's not like a logistical tip of like, make sure you bring enough yeah. uh, diapers on the plane because that's happened to us before. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just, I think it's more than the logistics. It's like just framing it. This is the kind of trip we want to have to yeah. For and kind of prepare for yes, it. mentally preparing those being really intentional about what you're expecting from this trip if you're expecting to have great time together as a family that will happen but if you're yes. expecting to get a lot of time to relax and sit on the beach and read a book while drinking a cocktail probably not going to happen 
Maybe not. <laughs> that is a pro tip. Do that. <laughs> Bring a grandparent or a nanny if you can. Uh, makes the trip a lot easier on you. Yes, but, I think that is. Um, a I think too. I I think what Heather was saying too. There was something we were talking about this earlier, actually, because we're like, oh, what, you know, what has changed since we traveled? Like, what are some good tips that we could give? And I think one of those is that you just like you have to if your kids are older, you have to talk to them about what they expect as well. Mm -hmm. You know, at three and one, okay, we, we know what it's going to be like, but if your kids are older, you know, be cognizant of that and ask what they will want to do mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know, I include I them in the planning, and yeah. then, you know, get them excited as well. And even at the age of three, I think it's important to prepare them for what's going on to communicate yes. with them. Listen, tomorrow's going to be a big travel day. This is what's going to happen. We're going to get on an airplane. We're going to go on a bus, you know, really preparing them because then that sets it up for a little more success, hopefully. Yes, I agree. And, um, oh, I was just going to say something to you guys about, you know, I think expectations is, a, you know, we, we went to Florida recently and, um, it was great, but you know what? We planned nothing. <laughs> we had like no dinner reservations. Cause like if you have dinner reservations, it's like, the most beautiful pool day and then you don't want to leave the pool and then you have to leave the pool or it's like if you plan them late then it was like rained all day and you're ready for dinner at four and it just was like to go with the kids it's just i think expectations is honestly half of the battle yeah Good. for sure i think from from a logistics standpoint well you had a few things that you heather yeah. is definitely the one who <laughs> handles the logistics with the kids yes. and traveling so i'm going to let her speak to this okay, because good, you definitely great. Something practical travel tips, especially if you're flying, but even it applies also to road trips, but just being prepared with actual activities and new toys doesn't have to be expensive, but you know, you go to a little dollar section and you give them something new that they've never seen before that can capture their attention for a little bit of time yes. in the car ride on the flight, make sure to have snacks first. Hey y'all, this is your host Susanna. So unfortunately at the end of the interview with Heather and Travis, I had some technical difficulties. Literally, the entire internet went out in my whole house, kicked me off my computer and everything. So I jumped on my phone and I got back on the Zoom call and I recorded it, but I only got the video with no audio. So anyhow, um, we were sort of at the end anyway, but I wanted to finish and sort of recap what we talked about there at the end. So number one, aren't they just fabulous? I love them. So I'm sure you guys have picked up. We went to college together. We were kind of friends of friends in college and I've just watched their journey over the year and um, they're great. They're fabulous people. And so one of the things they added to their list, so they were talking about some things to think about when you travel with kids. So they talked a little bit about tempering your own expectations as a parent, thinking about, especially if you have older kids, ways that you can prepare them, prepare their expectations. And then Heather talked a little bit about traveling with little kids, bringing activities. I loved her idea about getting a new toy. Um, you know, at that age, anything from the dollar store is awesome. And so you save it till you get to the airport or you get on the plane and it, it really works. I've been there. It's a great tip. And then of course, snacks was another one. And then they closed out really talking about the value of slow travel, which they sort of alluded to over the course of the episode. But this idea that when you have kids, sometimes less is more. And so going to a place and settling in for a little bit 
bit longer or planning less activities really allows you to increase your joy and decrease your stress. And so what I wanted to share here at the end is how you can connect with Heather and Travis. So they have a couple um, pretty cool businesses. So um, first of all, they have a podcast that has been around a long time, as Trav mentioned. So Extra Pack of Peanuts is their travel podcast and that is also their website as well where you can connect with them learn a bit a little bit more and um they have been featured in the new york times uh on today's show HuffPost, uh, a couple other publications too so they have lots of great tips and one of the things um you can also connect with them at extra pack of peanuts on instagram which i'll link in the show notes And lastly, they are doing some things around this idea that they mentioned of being um, location independent. So they have a website called Location Indie where they are helping people uh, figure out how to work from anywhere. And so that website is Location Indie, I-N-D-I-E dot com. And then they're also on Instagram as well, which I'll put in the show notes. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.